Welcome to the Kitchen Table Finance Podcast, where we make retirement planning easy and enjoyable. Discover practical advice to create a retirement strategy that fits your lifestyle and budget. Get ready for market updates, intriguing finance headlines, book reviews, special guests, and inspiring case studies. So grab your favorite cup of coffee and join us at the table as we talk about everything finance and retirement. We're here to support you in achieving the retirement of your dreams. Let's jump right in. Hey, Dave, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Nick. How are you? It's another beautiful day in Michigan for a podcast. It is. It is. It's not Podcast Friday for us. Which is it a little is not, unusual. But the weather but is the same as it usually is on Friday, <laughs> January. That's true. That's true. So, Gray uh, and gloomy. Yes. You know, we've talked about this uh, today's topic before, Dave, but it keeps yes. kind of rearing its head, if you will, and that is the uh, ever. Uh, <laughs> Not sure what the right word is for it, but uh, it's Bitcoin and it's back in the news because as of what last week, two weeks ago, the SEC has now decided that Bitcoin or similar cryptocurrency ETFs are going to be able to be sold. And there is a handful of them that uh, took them up on that offer. Yeah. I don't know the exact count, like 10 well, or 15 or 15 or something. A handful. Like the first day they approved it, there were 11 of them that launched. Like, yeah. like, they, were, like they were waiting. 11 exchange traded funds. The first day they've been available, just astounded. To me, that was like, oh my gosh, that's, you know. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. And so just so people understand, I think, you know, what we're talking about here. So previously to buy Bitcoin, you had to go to an exchange, open an account yep. that handled cryptocurrencies. Mm-hmm. And by what what's changed here in January is now in an, any investment account where you can hold stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and exchange traded funds, you can now buy an exchange traded fund that will track the price of Bitcoin. Right. You cannot just buy one. You can buy 11 different yeah. exchange traded funds. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> that does not mean you're diversified. <laughs> uh, 11 and counting, right? <laughs> yeah, right, right. And I'm sure there'll be more and there'll be different crypto. I, I don't even like to call them currencies, which we'll get to yeah. here as we're discussing it. But uh, yeah. um, so, so all Another, of a sudden, it's kind of going mainstream is a one way to look yeah, at it, right? Well, it's been back in the news, back in the headlines. Yeah. And it's interesting because like you mentioned previously, you had to go to one of those digital wallets and you know, mm-hmm. the big one I think is Coinbase, but the other one yeah. that's been in the yeah. news recently is FTX. <laughs> obviously that did not end right. well. And so I'm right. sure there's some like skepticism over those wallets right. and now right. you can bypass them all together, uh, which brings more access. But remember right. when the SEC is approving things, they're not like gold. Oh, this, is a, like, this is something right. you should this do. Is a good like, thing. This is something you can right. do. <laughs> right. So, so that's, and that's really what we're getting at today, right? Is yeah. just because you can, does that mean you should do, yep. do, cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin belong in your retirement portfolio. Exactly. And and thankfully, Morningstar put out an article that actually looked into this and did a lot of the research and modeling Mm -hmm. for us. Um, So we will put a link to that article in the show notes. When looking at it, you know, there's a lot of different things and a lot of different 
ways to think about it. I mean, I guess some of the proponents of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, you know, if when you're talking about should you put it in your retirement portfolio, are obviously doing it because of some of the potential diversifying factors. And so Morningstar kind of went in and looked at, does is it actually helping you diversify? Is it actually reducing your risk or is it not doing anything for you or making things worse, right? Right, right. And kind of as, as a backdrop to this, for the first several years, Bitcoin ran up like climbing a mountain in yeah. terms of its price. I mean, it was it was ridiculous how fast it went up. And then got cut by more than half in 2018. It was down almost three quarters or 74% of its value. And then again, in in 22, it dropped 64% of its value. So there's been huge gains, huge losses, huge volatility in either direction, right? Yeah, well, I think that's kind of why it came into the mainstream of of people like even knowing what it is. It wasn't because people were deciding to, you know, forego you and mm-hmm. using U.S. dollars or credit cards. It was because you saw these amazing returns in like 2017. Right. It was up 1300 percent right. right so that all of a sudden is going to get people's attention <laughs> even though you know yeah. theoretically it's too late at that point more than likely but so that's where it came into the mainstream and now it's you know because it's more accessible is this something that you should do so let's talk yeah. through that yeah so so morningstar looked at it from a diversification standpoint which mm-hmm. which i like you know, with some caveats, but right. So, so, so anytime we're adding something to a retirement portfolio, we're doing it to diversify the portfolio. So we know like if we take stocks as kind of the base, right, the default, and then we look at like, okay, what happens if we take the portfolio and add 40% of that money to bonds instead of stocks? Mm -hmm. And we see that normally they diversify each other. You know, we can, we can, we know that if stocks go up a certain amount, we'll probably see a certain amount of downside to bonds and it's not Mm -hmm. perfect. And we saw that in 2022, that it's not perfect, but we look for long-term trends and statistics on how these things behave across whole economic cycles of decades Mm -hmm. to kind of Mm -hmm. determine, okay, if we add, if we take a hundred percent stock portfolio and we replace 40% of that with bonds, what does that do? And furthermore, if we take the part that's in bonds and put 20% of that in international stocks, how does that change things? Right. And, And that's how we end up with our like nice, pretty pie charts of portfolios is looking at statistically how these things relate to each other. Yeah, and I think just taking a step back too, Dave, the importance of it is especially related to retirement is most retirees aren't going to go into retirement with 100% stock portfolio, right? Right. That's the time where you want to be de-risking and creating an asset allocation that's going to promote or allow you to take an income over your lifetime with less, you know, risk, so to speak. Yeah. So what, what did Morningstar find when you start adding Bitcoin to the portfolio? The problem with adding Bitcoin is it's more volatile and that can dramatically shift your portfolio's risk, right? So depending on the amount, so if you're adding one to 2%, it doesn't necessarily have a big impact. It doesn't matter, right? 
right? Because it's such a minimal part of it. But when you start getting to three to 7%, then all of a sudden you start to see this tipping point, right? Right. And, and I think one of the interesting things that in reading this article is, you know, the source of risk in a you know, traditional 60-40 portfolio, which a lot of retirees have, right? Mm-hmm. It's the, what's the catchy name for the 60-40 the portfolio? The Goldilocks portfolio, yes. The Goldilocks, yeah. Yes. So the interesting thing is you think 60-40 portfolio, you think, all right, I've got 60% risk, 40%. And re- realistically, 85% of your risk comes from that 60% in equities. Right? In the stock market, right. Yeah, in the stock market. And so that's where adding Bitcoin can actually increase that risk and that you know five right. percent is kind of the tipping point. Right. Once you hit five percent in Bitcoin, it contributes over twenty percent of the portfolio's total risk. And then lately we've seen that those risks occur at the same time. Right. So you're not getting that teeter-totter effect. Instead you've right. got Bitcoin going down at the same time stocks are going down. And so it's not offsetting that loss either. It just doesn't yeah, add. Yeah, no, it used to be where, you know, when you're looking at Bitcoin, and this is part of the problem of, of trying to put it in a portfolio because it's such mm-hmm. a new asset class. In the beginning, when it first kind of came out and became more popular, it kind of worked opposite of the stock market, right? The stock right. market would go down, people would put money in Bitcoin, Bitcoin would go up. Right. And so it had this diversifying effect, right? That's exactly yeah. what you want from an asset class where you're trying to diversify away from equity yeah. is something that works in the opposite direction, right? One is down, the other one's up, and that gives you this kind of leveling factor. Unfortunately, what we've seen more recently is that those things are no longer happening. So when Bitcoin is down, the stock market is down, and so now it's compounding the problem, not necessarily making it better. And because the asset class is so new and so speculative, we really don't know exactly how it's going to behave because we haven't seen it behave in a lot of different types of markets and environments. That's the like the scientific statistical analysis of why, you know, at the end of the day, as of yet, we can't show that it provides any diversification, any lower risk, anything that would be compelling for us to put it into a retirement portfolio. Right. Yep. So, you know, as a diversifier, it's just not proven and yeah. more than likely is going to add risk instead, significantly add risk instead of kind of reducing it, which is yeah. normally what we want in a retirement portfolio. Do you work for Michigan State University? Are you looking for solid retirement planning advice? Reach out to Dave and Nick hosts of the Kitchen Table Finance Podcast and Certified Financial Advisors. They specialize in the unique benefit plans offered by MSU and how to capitalize on all you have available to you through your investments. Sure, you can glance at your package once a year and check some boxes, or you can make your money work for you. Find out if you're getting everything you could be with your MSU retirement plan by contacting Shotwell Rudder Bear Financial Planners at srbadvisors.com. Or simply search for the Kitchen Table Finance Podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. That's the Kitchen Table Finance Podcast, hosted by Shotwell Rudder Bear Financial Planners. You know, some other points of view and, and, and ones that kind of inform our own, you know, take on it beyond the statistics. You know, good old, good old uh, 
Well, well, we'll we'll talk about Jamie Dimon first, you know, who who's never afraid to make a uh, bold statement in the press. But uh, he he likened he he basically said, "Quit bugging me about this." When they, right. when he was asked yeah. about about it being available in exchange traded funds, said it was basically worthless, a hyped up fraud, and called it a, the pet rock of investments. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which which I like because I always I, I the last couple of years I've always likened it to Beanie Babies and baseball cards, which is Right. a nicer way of saying it's a collectible perhaps that has value because other people right now are excited about it. The classic one is tulip bulbs, right? Mm-hmm. Anybody who studies the history of stock markets is familiar with the tulip craze of like the, the 1600s, uh, you know, where tulip bulbs were suddenly worth thousands and thousands of dollars each because everybody was crazy to buy them. Right. And yeah. then all of a sudden they weren't. And that's how people end up with like closets full of beanie babies that they haven't looked at in 20 yeah. years and, and that they paid thousands of dollars for. So, so there's that, you know, I, I think our, our friends at East Bay put it a, a little bit more nicely, if you will, mm-hmm. Mario and Eric, their point is don't think of it as a currency. It doesn't have low volatility or widespread acceptance the way currencies do. And there's no central bank regulation. The regulation of Bitcoin, that's part of the that's part of the appeal of Bitcoin to a lot of people, right? Oh, it's it's right. like the, the yeah. counterculture's currency. Anti-establishment, right. right. But, <laughs> but that also means that you don't have, you know, smart people controlling the value of it you know, right. and, and having it reflect the economy. And I remember, you know, one of the Vanguard analysts back when this first started to crop up saying it's, you know, um, instead of being backed by the full faith and credit of the U.S. government's ability to tax, it's backed by the full faith and credit of people that think Bitcoin's cool. <laughs> yeah. And and you can't, you know, again, all these are, are ways of getting back to that idea of we can't quantify what it should behave at, how how it should how it should behave. If you think about, you know, a lot of people worry that this, you know, the stock market doesn't have it, you know, is just this gamble, right? But at the end of the day, stocks have an intrinsic value. Right. Okay. So so what we're getting at there, if like take Apple, for instance, if Apple had if their business collapsed tomorrow, they have a certain amount of assets, they have inventory, yep. they have contracts, you know, they have they have things of value. And you can look at an individual company and say its stock is if 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 everything went to heck tomorrow for them, their assets are worth X. That's book value, right? right? Yep. And and there's underlying value to it. And then you build on top of that the fact that they should generate a certain amount of earnings. And mm-hmm. it's just a question of how much you want to pay for those earnings. And sometimes right. the stock can be overvalued or undervalued, but there still is a bedrock end of the day. This is what it's worth. Right. Right. And there is none. And, and that's true of bonds, too. There's an income stream. If the company doesn't go bankrupt, if the government doesn't default, whatever the issuer is, it's worth this much money every year for X years. And you can evaluate the risk that you're taking of whether they'll be able to make those payments. But there is still something there that we can look at and say it's got value. And there's just none of that with with Bitcoin. I mean, the bit value of Bitcoin is what somebody is willing to pay you for it. Right. Right. If nobody wants to pay you for it, then it, there's the no, right. There's no, there's no under underlying value. Exactly. Exactly. So, so 
I, I mean, there's been some pieces out. We don't have to go through all this. We'll put a lot of it in our show notes. But, you know, yeah. Vanguard's got its take very similar to East Bay about, you know, the risk without necessarily the reward, the cybersecurity scares going back to FTX. One of the most interesting things to me about the whole SEC uh, Bitcoin ETF piece is that Vanguard actually came out and said, we're not even going to allow people who have accounts with us to buy those. So they're taking a pretty firm stance on it. Yeah. And, and you know, yeah. that's something that is kind of against the grain. It's, yeah. it's somewhat in their nature. They've done similar things yes. in the past as far as like refusing to allow things like government plus funds, tactical allocation funds, short-term multi-market income funds. And or so leverage, yeah. Leverage funds. Interestingly enough, a lot of those things ended up having some really bad results for a lot of people. So yeah. this is just and, another and, one on the list that they're and, not comfortable with. So, so here is one of the major players in creation of investment vehicles that could make Millions of billions, you know, I don't know what, you know, how much they stand to profit by issuing ETFs. They are basically saying in the long run, this is not in our client's best interest to allow this. And we don't want, even if we would make money on it, we don't want to be part of that. Yeah. And, and sure, in the long, you know, maybe they'll be right, maybe they'll be wrong, but they are taking a very strong stance that is it, no doubt costing them money in the short run. Right. So, Absolutely. you know, to me, yeah. that's, a, that's a pretty, and, and yeah, like you, you pointed out with those other examples, I think if there's one investment producer out there, companies that create investment vehicles and make money by you buying them, mm-hmm. that tends to take the, the, you know, their, their duty to their investors seriously. It's Vanguard. Right. Absolutely. I think that's a, that's a pretty telling take right there. Yeah. Not very often that you see like a a company like that willing to take a stance to essentially not make money on something that really doesn't risk, involve risk to them. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So, so, so here's a hypothetical. Let's say, you know, one of our clients calls us on Friday and says, Hey, I know how you feel about this. You know, I know it doesn't fit with your investment philosophy, but I really want to, I really want to own some Bitcoin. I really want to, I want to be part of this, you know, my take on it. I'm pretty sure, you know, we didn't talk about this ahead of time. I'm kind of pulling this out of the blue for you, but I, I think, I think you and I would both agree. It would be very similar. We've got clients that like to go to the casino. We've got clients that buy lottery tickets. Yeah. You know, it just like anything else, right? <laughs> collectibles. Yeah. I had a, I, I don't, I don't anymore, but I used to have a client who, who loved collectible cars, very hard to make money on collectible cars, but he liked them. And, 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 and I've got other, you know, we both have clients that spend money on things that have some value, but they're probably not going to like change their retirement. And I think it comes down to me, it's more of a budgeting question than an investment question at that mm-hmm. point. Can you afford to go to the casino once a quarter and, spend a thousand dollars hoping you make a half million. If that doesn't hurt you and it's valuable to you, go do it. If buying, you know, 1% of a Bitcoin ETF in your retirement account, isn't going to change the trajectory of your retirement 
and it is super meaningful to you to participate in that for whatever reason. To me, then at that point, it's no different than somebody that says, hey, my cousin's really involved with this company and it sounds great. And I'd really like 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 100 shares of that company just so I right. can say I'm you know part of part of what he's yeah. working on. You know, that's there's nothing wrong with that. That's no. fine. Yeah, I, I think for our listeners at home, what I would equate it to, to your point, Dave, is like, okay, if I've got this portfolio and I took a $10,000 distribution, would it ruin my retirement trajectory? Right. If that no? money just, okay, uh, well, yeah. then a $10,000 yeah. investment in Bitcoin yeah. isn't going to yeah. hurt you. Yeah, it it's might a budget. Work out, it might not, but it's not going to hurt you, right? And so that's right. kind of how I would think of it in terms of this is a right. distribution, this is a use asset. <sighs> If it works right. out great, if it doesn't, then we're not, you're not, right. not hurting your long-term trajectory. Right. Yeah, but you and I are not going to then like at our next port or uh, our next financial planning review say, well, you know, that, that 10,000 in Bitcoin should be like 20,000 by year, right. you know, 2030. Yeah. And, you know, that's going to fund junior's college. You know, that that's right. not going to happen. No. So. <laughs> no, that's completely separate of that. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's gone. Right. If right. you come back, yeah. it'd be no, it would be no different. If you came back to me and said, look, I doubled my money five years from now, it'd be no different than if you had gone down to the corner uh, gas station and bought lottery tickets with it and happened right. to win. It's an interesting point because most people that take money and go to the casino don't ever come back to me to invest. In <laughs> person, so. I had that, I had that happen once. I had that happen once. It was interesting. That's another story for another podcast. There was, I learned a lot of lessons as a first year, second year investment advisor. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. But, uh, Very cool. Well, hopefully we answered some questions around Bitcoin and how it relates to your retirement portfolio. Uh, if you have questions, please shoot us an email at info at srbadvisors.com. Dave, as always, it has been a pleasure. Thanks, Nick. Talk to you later. Gather around and follow the Kitchen Table Finance Podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.